Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. My name is Dave. Uh, for all those who are wondering, it's good to, to be up here to share a couple things with you uh, this morning. Uh, we have been talking ever since Easter, just uh, exploring the foundations of uh, that we're building uh, the church on. And uh, Britain over the last couple weeks has uh, drawn this picture up on the screen, um, and that one looks a little bit better than the one he was drawing on the screen uh, live in person, but I said, all right, put it on the whiteboard, we'll take a picture of it. But uh, one of the things that I love about this conversation, one of the things that I love about the, the leadership of Moran Park is we don't want to do things just for the sake of doing them. We don't want to do things because maybe another place is doing it or whatever. We want to make sure that we're always going back to the Word and saying, what are we building, uh, what's our foundation? What are, what, what are we building the church on? And I have noticed that in, in some ways there have been some cracks in the foundation. And so we're talking over the next couple of weeks, and whoever knows how long it's going to be, about uh, building a new foundation. Building a new foundation. What are the cracks that, that uh, we have seen, but what are, what are the things that we need to be put in place so that we can grow, so we can be all that God has called us to be? And last week, Britton was talking about the fact that we have been given this amazing gift in the Holy Spirit. And he drew this other picture up on the screen. Uh, that when it comes to the word, we don't need a teacher who's just uh, going to teach it for us. We don't need another intermediary because we have been given the Holy Spirit to teach us all things. And I love this passage out of 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm so encouraged by it this week. Now, this is something that we not, we not just need to listen to, but need to like really believe in the depths of our soul. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. What an amazing promise, what an amazing truth. The very spirit that searches the heart of God also searches our heart, also speaks to us. And we don't need another teacher who will say, this is what the word means. We have the Holy Spirit who will lead and guide us and lead us into all truth. And the thing that I would encourage you this morning, the thing that I would encourage you all the next couple weeks is persevere in this. Spend time alone with the word, asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you. But when I think about us wanting to be devoted to the Word, devoted to the Word, I ask the question, why? Why, why be devoted to the Word? And more than just answering that question, that just like because it, says, because it says in Acts 2 that they were devoted to the Word, that's why we need to be devoted to the Word. But I always want to ask the question, why should we be devoted to the Word? Why does it matter? I've taught my kids when I say something at home, like go do this or go do that. Don't ever, don't ever just accept it, the answer because I told you so. You're always free to ask the question, why? Now, it might be because I told you so, and that's just go do it because I'm your dad. <laughs> but no, I wanted them to ask the question, why? Why am I supposed to do this or that? I don't want us just to go through the motions and say, okay, this is this, so we're going to do it. But why should we be devoted to the word? And this morning, the, the thing that I want to talk about is, do we believe, when it comes to the Word, do we believe that there is power in the Word? Do we believe that this is, is powerful? Because I think if we understand the power of the Word, then it would change everything about us. It would change everything by how we approach the Word, how we read the Word, how we live out the Word. It would change everything when we understood how powerful it is. Years ago... When I was living at home, I had a sister who's five years older than me. And she, like most siblings, and, uh, liked to pick on me. And so she was five years older than me for most of my growing up years. She was a lot stronger than myself. And one of the things that she loved to do 
was to wrestle with me, put me on the ground, and then sit on me. And she would sit on me and, and allow stuff from her mouth to kind of fall out, and then she would suck it back up. I know, that like scars from my childhood, that deep scars. And she would do this often. She would throw me on the ground and sit on me. And there was no way, because it just wasn't powerful enough because she was a lot stronger, five years older than me, there was no way I was getting up from out under her. So she took off to college. And I navigated puberty and got stronger. And she came home and tried to do the same thing. And she started to wrestle me down to the ground, started to pin me down. And instead of being on top of me at that time, I picked her up by the shoulders, and I threw her against the wall, and I said, knock it off. <laughs> that was the very last time that it ever happened. She, to this day, has not gotten me on the ground and allowed things to come out of her mouth and put something back up. Understanding my power when I was in high school, as I had gotten stronger, changed everything for me. She never picked on me in that way again. She does in other ways, but she never picked on me in that way again. And I wonder what would happen is if we understood the power that is available to us in the Word. If we understood the power that, that is, is here in this book, what would change in our lives? See, I think one of the things that we so underestimate is the power that is available to us in our hands. We might say that it's powerful, but do we live like it's powerful? In the book of Hebrews, if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 4, there's an amazing passage that speaks to the power of Scripture, the power of the Word. And from the very beginning, God has been speaking. And that is the thing that I want us to understand about the very character and the heart of God. Is that God, from the very beginning, was speaking. Speaking this world into existence. Speaking to Adam and saying, this is what a relationship with me looks like. This is what you're to do and what you're not to do. Speaking to Noah, after looking at the, the evil that existed in the world, telling Noah to build a boat. Speaking to Moses and saying, I have seen the infliction of my people. I've heard their cries, and I'm going to send you, and you're going to deliver my people from slavery. All throughout Scripture, whether it's to the prophets, whether it's to David, whether it's through wherever, God has been speaking, and ultimately we see him speaking through his son, Jesus. And it's the way that God initiates relationship and sustains relationship. And so the writer of Hebrews is writing to a people who want to give up, want to bail on following Jesus. They've come across some very difficult times, persecution, trials. And they want to go back to their former way of life and, and using the example of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. The writer is saying, don't, don't follow that example. Don't go that way. Don't turn back. Don't live a life of disobedience and allowing disbelief to fill your heart. Well, you've, been, you've been set free from the slavery of sin through the blood of Jesus. Continue to persevere, continue to seek him. And one of the things that he draws early Christians to is the power of the word, the shape, the form. And so in Hebrews 4, you see this picture in the midst of this conversation of the word of God. He says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, 
But we are all naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Let's read that again. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight. For all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Do you believe that about the word? you believe that about the word, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and all the scripture, what it says about Jesus? Do we believe that? See, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying this word, this book, is not just a, a bunch of words on a paper bound with some imitation leather or whatever. No, this is living and active. It is alive. It is energetic. It, it, it alive it accomplishes things because God is alive. I love what Isaiah says. Isaiah says... Um, that, that the word, as it goes out, accomplishes the very purpose that God wants it to accomplish. This word, this book, is alive and active. And then it says it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It has the ability to cut to the deepest parts of our souls through the hard and tough layers of our heart, like a sword that can pierce the heart. The word has the power to pierce and expose the very intentions of our soul. It exposes, it sifts. It judges every thought and purpose of our heart. It searches us and knows us. And then it says no creature is hidden from its sight. No one is hidden. We can hide from friends. We can hide from neighbors. We can hide from even our spouse. But nothing is hidden, not from God. All things are open and exposed and laid bare before our Father in heaven. I don't know about you, but that is an amazing picture of the power of the word that but it's also a pretty gruesome picture because if you understand what the, the picture that, that is being painted here is one of being completely exposed and laid bare before the one who created us. It's a picture of a soldier who is being conquered by another army and comes in front of the commander and is looking at his eyes with a spear right under his chin. That if he looks down or looks to the left or to the right, it cuts his chin forced to look at the one who just conquered him. It's a, it's a picture of someone who actually, I know this is gruesome, whose throat has been cut and slit and completely exposed. I think of last summer when I went fishing with Zane, my son, and we caught this little tiny fish. It wasn't anything huge. And I'm like, okay, what do we do with this? He's like, Dad, we're going to eat it. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to fillet a fish. Uh, how do we do this? And so a friend of mine said, all right, let's cut it open. And, and, and so you took this knife, and you took this knife, and you cut it open, and completely laid this fish bare, and took its guts out, and there we had this small little piece of meat, and we're like, all right, let's throw it on the grill and eat it. It's that picture, that picture that reveals the, the power of the Word of God, and this is the very thing that God has used. The Word of God is used by the Spirit of God to perform the work of God in our lives. This is the power of this book. It is living and active. And do we believe that this morning? Do we believe that it's powerful? Do we believe that this speaks to us? It's not just like, oh, I'm going to read some, some history. I'm going to read some stories. It has that in here. It has stories in here. But it has the power to speak to us specifically where we're at. And this week, I was, I was reading in John, 1 John 3. And in all honesty, like the Spirit of God just, just hit me hard. And it talked about the practice of sinning. And I'm like, man, is there anything in my life that I just do 
on a regular basis in the Spirit of God has highlighted a couple things. I mean, that's just not by coincidence that I had that thought. No, that is the very Spirit of God using the Word of God to accomplish His work in my life. To believe that the same is possible for me. I so often think that we undervalue the power of the Word of God. Here's what the Word says about itself. I don't have these up on the screen, so just write these down and, and check these out later. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 9. The Word says this about itself, that God's Word is perfect. It revives the soul. God's Word is sure and makes one wise. God's Word is bright and fills your heart with joy. God's Word is pure. It enlightens the eyes and it endures forever. Or Jeremiah 23, verse 29. God's Word is like fire. Like a hammer that can break a rock into pieces. God's word is like fire. Like a hammer that can break a rock into pieces. Acts 7, Stephen, as he's sharing about in front of those who would eventually kill him, says this about the word, referring actually to the Old uh, Testament, to the Ten Commandments. He calls it a living word. Kind of interesting in Ephesians 6 that, that we're talking about the armor of God. God's word is, is part of that believer's armor. It's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Interesting, the very thing that is a weapon that we have been given. Is it anything else except it's the word of God? 1 Peter 1, 23. Because God's word is living and enduring. Peter says that we've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word God. And that's powerful. The living, active word. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119 because I love what David says about the word. I'm just going to read the whole chapter. <laughs> you like, it's Milker's Day. We got this. Oh. Well, what I love about Psalm 119 is that David has written it over the course of his life. But if you read Psalm 119, and I encourage you to read through it sometime this week, break it up into chunks and read through Psalm 119, and see how focused David is on the Word, his emphasis on the Word. Look at Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your Word. There's David's heart. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. Verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts. Fix my eyes on your way. I will, not, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Over to verse 97, Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged. aged. For I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste. 
sweeter than honey to my mouth. We say that about the word. We say that about scripture. We say that about what comes from God's mouth. How sweet are your words to me, to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Though your pre through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Afflicted, Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. We hear that in this psalm, all the way throughout Psalm 119, we see that David is saying, it's your word that sustains me. It's your word that comforts me in affliction. It's your word that strengthens me. It's your word that guides me. It's your word that directs me. It's your word that gives me hope. It's your word that gives me joy. It's your word that gives me life. It's your word that transforms my heart and shapes me. It's your word that is powerful. It's your word that is eternal. It's your word that I delight in and I will meditate on every day of my life. My heart stands in awe of your word. I get blown away by what David says about the word. And I ask myself, do I feel the same way about the word? Do I feel have that same attitude that, oh, this is going to direct me and lead me. And it's all powerful. And it's going to shape me and transform me and sustain me. Do I have that same attitude about the word? Do you have that same attitude about the word? I think of so many things in our life that are here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, tulip time. Boom. Just like that. Gone. Some are happy about that. I'm shedding tears. But so many things are here today and then gone tomorrow. So much is, we're like, we have this thought, we have this thing, like I think of the uh, phones, and I, I go back to this a lot, but phones, all of a sudden they came in the early 2000s, we're like, these are going to transform our lives, and now we're like, ooh, they transformed our lives in the negative, and oh, I don't want that anymore. So many thoughts that we have, so many ideas that we have, so many philosophies that we have. Like, this is going to revolutionize things. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. This idea is gone. We don't think about it. I mean, think about it this way. There are people who study society and say, wow, this is going to transform things. Or we have different political views that we think are going to transform things. Or we think of, of a philosophy. And no disrespect to those who are experts in those fields. But we might think about it for a while, but in another 10 years, we're going to be some, thinking about something else that's new. It goes from one thing to the next. And the truth is, as we go from one thing to the next in our culture, one idea to the next, the thing that has remained true, the thing that has remained eternal, the thing that has remained strong, is the very word of God. And I don't know about you, but for me, I don't want to build my life on something that is shifting from one thing to the next, from one idea to the next. I need an anchor for my soul. I need a firm put my feet firmly planted on the rock and build my life on something that is eternal, something that will last, something that will go on forever and ever and ever, and that's the very word of God. For in part, do you realize the power that we have in this? Do you realize the truth that it communicates? When I think about our Father in heaven, I think about the amazing God that he is. He's amazing in so many ways. And I know we talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, and we should, and we will continue we want to be filled with the power of the Spirit and be directed by the power of the Spirit. But I have come to realize that I'm so thankful for the gift that we have in the Word of God. That we can sit alone with this book, that you and I can sit alone with this book, and God can speak to our hearts in a way that, that no one else can. We come across the verse and we're like, oh, that was written for me today. It's exactly what I need. My desire is a relationship with you and I. 
encourages that relationship through the blood of his son, Jesus. And one of the ways he sustains and guides us in that relationship is through the word, and that is absolutely powerful and mind-blowing. And so as we think about the foundation that we're building our lives on, the church on, we have to ask, do we believe that the word is powerful? Is this part of the foundation? Or have we allowed a crack to enter the foundation and say, yeah, I don't know about this. I think one of the things we have to ask is, do we believe that the word is powerful? We might not, we might say that we believe that. But I think the very important question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we live like it? Do we live like it's powerful? Do we spend time in it on a regular basis? See, I, I love that we're having these equipping workshops, these trainings, this training next Sunday. Because I know people will say that the word is difficult to read. And I get it. There are parts that are, are difficult to understand. You're like, I don't get this or that. Some of it can be confusing. But for me, the math book can be confusing. The science book can be confusing. And I wonder, I really wonder, I'm just putting this out there. I really wonder if it's not so much a difficult issue as it is a faith issue. Do we believe that when we open this book up to God's word to speak? Do we believe that in the depths of our hearts? That the God of the universe has something to say to you today? I also think that it's a spiritual issue. I think the enemy knows this book is powerful. From the very beginning, he's been questioning what God's been saying. Go back to Genesis 3. He says, did God really say? Because he knows the power of God's word. Even Jesus, when he was tempted out in the desert, how did Jesus fend off temptation from the enemy? It was through the word. He quoted scripture back to him. And so I believe it's a spiritual issue that the enemy is keeping us from reading this book. And so we have to do the diligent thing, spiritual warfare, to say, you know what? I know the enemy doesn't want me to read this, but God, I need your spirit to fill me with the passion and the desire to read your word. This is a spiritual issue. That's why Britt was sharing about William Tyndale last week. I think they killed him because the enemy knew it was powerful. When he was translating scripture into the language of ordinary people hundreds of years ago, the enemy didn't want that to happen because he knew the power of the word, and the word got into people's hands. But I also think another issue is a pride issue. When it comes to the word, our approach so often is like, the word is down here, and I'm like, I'm going to do it if I, I agree with it. Or I, you know what, I only believe it if I agree with what it has to say. Because my ways, my thoughts, my ideas, eh, they're just as equal as God's. And we'll see if we can get along. We'll see, we'll see if we can agree. We don't come to it and say, oh God, I am just a mere human. You're the one who created me. You are the potter, I am the clay. You need to show me. Too often, especially in the world today, we think our ways are greater than God's ways. And I'm reminded of song, uh, that song, Isaiah 55, where God says, no, no, no. My ways are so much greater than your ways. My thoughts are so much greater than your thoughts. And I wonder what would happen if we came to this book and said, you know what? You teach me, God. I want your ways. I don't want my ways. I want your thoughts, not my thoughts, because there's so much so much more. I mean, look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This one's up on the screen. Let 
this one seep into your Paul's saying this in 1 Corinthians 1.25, God's foolishness is wiser than the wisdom of men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. I had to stop and just think about that verse this week. God's foolishness. Think about God being foolish. I mean, that's even hard to comprehend in our minds. God isn't foolish. But Paul's saying God's foolishness, even on God's worst day, when he's having an off day, he never has an off day, but if he had an off day, on his off day, he's better than you on your best day. That's what we have access to. God's Foolishness is wiser than any man or woman's wisdom. So why wouldn't I run to him and say, God, I need your wisdom. I need your insight. I need your thoughts. I want that in my life. There are so many thoughts and ideas that flood our minds on a regular basis. So many things that mess with our thinking. Whether they're words from other people or words that we think. And I don't know about you, but for me, on a regular basis, I need to be reminded of who God is and who he says that I am. And there's no better way to do that than to come to the Word and say, okay, God, speak to me. Are we doing that on a regular basis? The other thing that I think we've allowed to slip into the church is we think our words are better than God's when it comes to sharing with another person. We listen to people pour out their hearts to us. That is absolutely amazing and absolutely an honor. But so often we share back with them our own ideas, our own thoughts. Well, why don't, have you considered this or have you considered that? In Colossians 3 it says this, Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonish to one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Paul's saying, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. And so when somebody comes and pours out their heart to you, don't share just your own ideas or your own thoughts. Let the word of Christ come out to you and share them and teach and admonish them and sing over them. Maybe get a coffee bar and sing over them the word of God over them. That is what we're to do. Because it's life-giving, because it's powerful. How often as we're talking with people, we share God's word with them over our own, own words. What would it look like just to build this new foundation where our feet are anchored and devoted to the word? Devoted because we knew it is totally powerful. This is something that has become an increasingly passion in my life is to not share my words with people, but, but God's words. When it comes to the youth ministry here at Marion Park, the thing that I want to teach them, I want to teach them two things. Ultimately about Jesus, yeah. But I want them to know that they can read the word for themselves and they know how to pray. Pray for themselves and pray for others. And so, a couple weeks ago, and Greg shared this a little bit last week, a couple weeks ago, some middle school students said, all right, we're going to have a night, middle school girls, they said, we're going to have a night where we just spend time alone in the Word, because we believe that it speaks. And so they got together, and they said, all right, let's have 10 minutes. Let's set 10 minutes aside, and you know what, we'll scatter all over the basement, and we'll just uh, open up the Word, and we'll allow God to speak. 
10 minutes turned into 20, 25 minutes because they were so into it and so going back and forth with the Lord. And here are some testimonies that came out of that time. And what they said is up on the screen. And this is just from their interaction with the Word, and I think demonstrates in profound ways the power of the Word. After someone was reading 1 John 2, 7 through 11, this is what they said. How do you live, how you live is so important, just like worshiping Him is. Jesus, give me the strength to live my life for you. Someone said after reading Ezekiel 36, verse 26, we have new hearts. Act on this. Lord, get rid of my stubborn heart. I love that. To hear in interacting with the Lord, the Lord used his word in a powerful way to say, you know what? Here's something in your life that needs to go. Or someone said after reading 2 Corinthians 5, 17, does my life look any different than my friends who don't know Jesus? Lord, help me to live a life that honors you. And then I love this prayer that somebody wrote out. After reading scripture, just interacting with scripture for a couple minutes, Father God, I give you all, give all praise to you for this thing. I am forgiven and given new life, one that honors, praises, loves, and obeys you. May I not be a people pleaser, but a God pleaser. May I strive to live in a way that honors you. You are number one in my life. Not school, not money, not my job, not even my family. You sent your son to die on the cross for me, for my sins, and you rose. Wow, God, I deserve nothing, yet you have given me so much. I am beyond grateful. I am in absolute awe of your kindness, your mercy, love, and creation. I am your child, and you are mine. Amazing. Just as they sit alone with the word, God speaks. I'm reminded of a time in my life when I was drifting. I'd grown up in the church, but I had made choices that got me to wander away from the Lord and what He wanted for my life. And one night, I encountered Him in a powerful way, but then I opened up the Word, and I was directed to read Romans 8. And there's a verse in there, 38 39, that blew me away and has transformed my life when I was in college. And God used his word and he said this, For I am convinced that neither life nor death, present nor the future, nor any powers, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And I remember reading that verse out of Romans 8. The power of God's word penetrated my heart and reminded me about the character of God who had been chasing me over and over and over, trying to get my attention to say, come back, come back. That's the power of the word. The power of the word to reveal the character of God to us. And the word is so powerful. I remember a time when I encountered somebody who had been so enslaved by the enemy and was manifesting demons. But weird interaction. And I remember seeing at that time the power of the Word of God as we read Colossians 1 over this person. I never forget. This person who's just sitting there all of a sudden reading Colossians 1 and the power of God's Word to set this person free. People were talking and praying and sharing this thing and that thing and all of a sudden somebody read passages from the Word of God and all of a sudden there was freedom in this individual's life. 
To me, it's just a reminder of the power of God, the very power that the Lord has given us. Because ultimately, it points to our Savior, Jesus. I can go on and on with testimonies where I've seen the power of God at work. I was sitting with an older person shortly before they went to see Jesus face to face. And I thought, I'm going to come and just share and ask them how they're doing. And they told me, they said, Dave, don't say anything, just read Psalm 23. And I read Psalm 23. And we hopped over to Romans 8. We hopped over to Psalm 121. We hopped all around. And it was the power of the word of God that brought comfort to this person's life. And I was, I was reading that a smile appeared on their face. <laughs> it's the power of God's word. Grand part, do we believe that? Do we believe that this is such a gift? Do we run to it over and over again saying, God, speak to we hunger and thirst for it. We, like David, meditate on it day and night. As I close, I just want to read Psalm 1. Because this is what I'm praying for us as a body. And this is the new foundation that has to be laid. The thing that is the very anger of our souls in Moran Park and in our lives. The writer of this psalm says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, his delight, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. I love that. He's planted by streams of water because his roots go down deep into the soil. He's planted, and no matter what storm comes by, no matter how high the waters rage, the tree is planted, firmly planted, rooted, and established. And it yields its fruit in its season. Because its roots are planted in the Word, there's opportunity to rise, to speak out of that. And its leaves <coughs> is not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives and we get tossed to and fro because we're not anchored in the truth of God's word. And here's an amazing opportunity that God is speaking to us today to say, plant your tree by the, by the streams of water. Delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on it day and night. His promise is that you will be firmly planted, that you will bear fruit when opportunities arise. Grandpa, do we meditate on this? Do we hunger and thirst for it? Do we recognize the power that is available to us in the Lord? I think the thing that I want to pray for this morning is that we would have faith to believe that. That we would believe that this is more than a book. That it's God's word to us. That he wants to speak to us. It's living. It's active. He wants to use it to penetrate the very depths of our soul. Do we believe that? Father God, I thank you. Thank you that you are so, so about a relationship with us. God, you, you didn't just create us and then leave us alone. You didn't just save us, even though that's absolutely amazing, by the blood of your Jesus and then just say, you know what, I'm just going to leave you alone. No, you want a relationship with us. You want to sustain us. You want to guide us. You want to direct us. You want to transform us. And God, the very way that you do this so often is through your word. 
And so, God, I just, I, I ask that you would fill us right now with faith to believe that. We pray, I pray against disbelief, I pray against unbelief, and, and just thoughts that we might think when it comes to your word, that, oh, there's nothing in there for me. God, I pray and I ask that you would fill us with faith, fill us to overflowing, that, and create in us just a hunger and a deep desire to know you through your word. God, would you give us that spiritual hunger? Would you give us that desire to seek you and to pursue you? May we be like David who said, I just want to meditate on your thoughts. I want to meditate on your ways, not any other thing. God, I just want to think about you and meditate on what you want for my life. How would you fill us with that faith? Would you fill us with that hunger? God, there's nothing that we can do to kind of manufacture that hunger. That's something that you have to give us deep in our spirits. And so I ask in the name of Jesus that you would give it to us. You would fill us with that we would bear fruit in season. So that we would not stop. So that we would be directed by God. I thank you. You're so faithful. You are so faithful. It's in your name, Jesus Christ.